Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Holly Azapati. And I'm Jordana Levine. Hello, Jordana Levine. How have you been? <gasps> and it rhymed. I was going to say that was almost a rhyme, but it actually was an actual rhyme. It actually rhymed. Jordana Levine, how have you been? <laughs> I've been good. I've actually been really good. I've been in Sydney um, this week and I had uh, two full moon events in Sydney that were just so magical. It's so funny oh. doing um, events on the full moon because I always do them on the new moon. But it's yeah. like it's like something shifted. It's like as soon as I put all of the teachings of Lunar Nights into Make It Happen, the book, it's mm. like now my work, now that my work's documented in a book, there's new work to do. And totally. Like, yeah, and I really feel like the full moon stuff because, you know, it's all about releasing and surrender and letting go. And it's very hard for people to do. Like I find it really mm. hard to let go of things. Hell yeah. And holding space, like we ran two events. I, I did it at Zoe's new um, yes. beautiful workshop space. It's amazing. Temple, Temple North, North in North Bondi. Um, so we could only have like 14 people in the room at a time and just holding space in those intimate settings for people to feel safe enough to release and let go Mm. was so powerful. And I was like, yeah, this is the next step. So yeah, it was really good and really exciting. And then, um, I just drove home. I just got to Byron about half an hour ago and now we're chatting, Holly. You are goals. I was just saying to George offline, I don't know how she does those long drives because I cannot. Yeah, how many hours was it in the car today? Well, I was down at my – so what I after, after the Sydney events, I went down and saw my family. I haven't seen them in yes. so long and I saw all the animals, but um, it makes the drive from Barrima to Byron nine and a half hours. So it's long. What the f- yeah, it's big. It's really big. But I just figure like once I'm in the car, I'm in the car and I just put podcasts on and I listen to music and when I'm feeling tired, I put songs on I can sing to. Ooh, I yeah. I do the exact same in my 45-minute drives because I don't really drive more than an hour at a time. <laughs> you don't need to drive at the moment because you're in beautiful Spain. You guys should see Holly and we'll talk about why you can't see Holly in a bit. But mm. um, she's glowing. Thank you, my girl. Look, Spain agrees with me. Yeah. I feel any kind of European country agrees with me because I have Europe in my blood. So mm. when I was in the UK, I broke out. I felt really inflamed and bloated. I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong. But then it's like the second that I got off the plane in Ibiza, I just like my, my skin darkened and cleared up and went glowy and I'm eating all of the carbs and drinking all of the fun drinks. I was about to um, say, like, is it the diet – and lack of alcohol but no you're definitely still drinking in Spain I am drinking every day all of the sangria all of the time yeah um so but I actually feel and I read this somewhere a while ago and it's great that when it comes to us biologically if we have a look at what our ancestors ate Mm. in terms of like hereditary uh, that's not the word (laughs) but biologically if we stick to what our ancestors ate then our bodies respond well now given that I'm like half Maltese they, all we eat is carbs. So my body actually really thrives on carbs and my skin always glows when I eat like good European, like lots of olive oil and, you know, all of the fresh, like caprese salads are like my fucking favorite thing and all the cheese and all of that. So, oh my yeah, God, it's it feels so good. good to eat. Yeah. Yes. I feel like that when I eat um, pickles and sauerkraut and gravelax because of the Russian, Russian blood. Yeah. Russian blood. I love it. (laughs) The borscht. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Mm. Um, So we're in Mallorca now and we're going to stay here until we fly home um, because it's just literally doing nothing. Stop, drop, flop. It's so good. But Ibiza was such 
and experience. Mm. Because George, I'm not the biggest party gal. Um, and I know I've said that a few times, but I really wanted to give it a crack. So we were there with 12 of our friends in this giant villa and all of my friends are big partiers. Mm. So they like go out until seven in the morning. And I knew I wasn't, I didn't have the stamina to last that long, but I did go to one event called, (laughs) I'm so innocent, Zoo Project. And it's at this old zoo and it was like the old seal enclosure i sent you a video yeah, daughter, that was lizard that with man. that lizard that was actually quite terrifying <laughs> oh. so trippy there were people with giant cat heads on like no. crawling around and but i thought that i would be uncomfortable with the music because obviously ibiza is very much focused on trance and house which is not usually my thing like Trent's all about it and we just have arguments all the time about who has the worst music taste he definitely does (laughs) Um, but I actually really enjoyed it I think it was just the collective energy of everyone there to have a really great time and I found myself like you can't really dance to it but you can do this little bop thing and I was like bopping along and being really resilient in the trance music so that really surprised me yeah no that's kind of fun and I think also when you're with all your friends and you're overseas in a new part of the world did you find the Byron Bay side of Ibiza I no we didn't and I actually got frustrated but because all of my friends were such partiers, I attribute it to we were in like the Kuta of Bali, mm. you know, where like all of the Aussies go to get lit. Like that was the area of Ibiza we were on. And every day I'd get up and be like, who wants to go on an adventure? And everyone was just like passed out everywhere. So I got to, I, I wrangled like three of my friends, Trent included, to go and find this hidden beach, which was beautiful. And we also ventured out another one of the evenings and found this amazing authentic Italian, which was on TripAdvisor because I'm a 50-year-old woman who likes to go on TripAdvisor to find where to eat. I you're um, in Spain eating at an Italian restaurant. Italian is my favorite food in the world. And if I can find it anywhere in Europe, I will go there. <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. Um, and then we ended up exploring another side of the island, but it wasn't the boho side. So Trent and I have both looked at each other and said, we're going to go back and do it very differently. But I'm glad I got the partying experience, George, because I've never been a partier in my life. No, I think that's really fun. Yeah. Um, but what it's it's interesting because both of us have spoken about music in our weekly recaps. You've been singing to music on your drive. <laughs> I can get down to trance. Yeah. Um, and I think I feel that. I mean, we both teach this to raise your vibration to be in energetic alignment or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Music is such a big one, right? Music can ignite so many emotions in us and. I I guess that's what I saw in Ibiza too is everyone was being lifted collectively from the music, from the DJs. Like it was this connection thing through song and that is so powerful. It is so powerful. Yeah, I talk about it all the time in manifestation when you're you're trying to shift a vibration or pull yourself out of a funk or you feel stuck or stagnant with any type of energy. For me, and I know it's the same for you, Holly, and maybe it's not for everyone, so I would like to hear from listeners, but... I feel like music is one of those things that can instantaneously, the right song, shift your mood. You know, you put on a happy party song and your entire vibration changes. And when I say vibration, like to people who aren't kind of familiar with that sort of language, it's like you can feel the physicality of your body change. You can feel the energetics of your body change. You can feel the emotional state, the mental state. What for you, Holly, like what's one song if you just had to pick one? If you're feeling down or you need to go out and you're really tired and you need to pep up the mood, like what's your go-to? At the moment, it's Saw by Christina Aguilera. Do you remember that song? Sing it. I always get you to sing. I'm sorry, but go. No, it's okay. How about you? Um, I don't know. It changes all the time. But one that's always a guaranteed go-to is Beyonce. I love that song. It I was just one of the songs in our wedding video. Yeah, I, I imagine it would be. It would be a great wedding video song. But I just can't not move when that song's on. Yes. Yeah. Actually, speaking of Beyonce, also Crazy in Love. Yeah. Is That was the song that Trent and I entered our reception too because that if that plays and I'm sit I don't know why I would be sitting down at a reception of a wedding like I'm always on the dance floor but if that song plays I'm fucking beelining and I'm doing my thing I'm usually Jay-Z and one of my other friends is Beyonce (laughs) that does not surprise (laughs) me at all 
but speaking so of music, George, like what would you describe your music taste as? Do you have a certain style that you go for? No, it's so funny that you say that because like I love music. I'm a big fan of music. I play it all the time. Um and I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't give you a genre. And I hate when people ask that. People don't ask it as much as they used to. I feel like in my early years of dating, that question was asked a lot and I hated it. So <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to say to you. Like, I like all types of music. It's easier yeah. for me to say the music that I don't like, which would be house and trance. But other Feels- than that, like, I love pop music. I love old school tunes. I love country music. I love yes. R&B. I love hip hop. Like I love rock. I love soft rock. You know, like everything. I love everything. I'm so the same as you. Do you have a go-to karaoke song? <laughs> yeah, I've got lots because I love karaoke <laughs> and my sister and I are singstar queens. But um, I love singing like jo- uh, Bon Jovi. Oh, Living on a Prayer? Like all of them. I mean, all okay. the Bon Jovi songs. Um, I love a good Coldplay song as well, like if I'm in a ballad oh. mood. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I just love, I actually like the old school stuff, if I'm being honest, yeah. with karaoke. Yeah. Like totally I, would, I would never do like a Christina Aguilera or a Whitney Houston. What oh, your, see, what I probably. two songs? I mean, I would probably do a Whitney Houston or yeah. a Beyonce because I like to push myself. Yeah, um, yeah. No, my my actual go-to would be rap. Like oh. I would stick on some Eminem and I would blow everyone's mind, which is what I did. I put on some performances in Ibiza for everybody. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I know that that can come across as a bit odd for people because we are all about love and light and consciousness and then there's Eminem or other, you know, rappers that oh, aren't that, necessarily focused. That's, that's life, mate. That is life. I know. Yeah, and do you know what? I have so much respect for the art of rapping. So do and I. the I'm I'm using my hands here to describe it. It is such a fucking gift to weave words the way that they do and to use rhyme and rhythm and mm. poetry collectively. And I think that that goes over a lot of people's heads and they just like hear a statement or a comment and then they judge and it's like, hang on a second, let's look at this as an art form because that's what music is at the end of the day as a whole. But rapping specifically, I can really appreciate it as it's fucking art. Like it's it's a skill set and that's why I love to like get up and give it a crack at rapping because rapping's hard. Can I yeah, just it's really hard. I used to write raps when I was in high school. Yeah. I thought it was really fun. I mean, I didn't perform them, but I used to write them. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that you used to write raps. Yeah. I could have performed them for you. I, I I rapped my wedding speech to Trent. Did you? Oh, my God. So <laughs> what kind of music then, like what, what music was being played at home? Like I know your dad is a musician and your brother's a musician, but what, what kind of music did your parents play when you guys were kids? So it's really I've had such a great, um, eye opener to having an extensive music repertoire because my dad is a musician. It's his first and only job. He was one of the, the first in one of the first bands that brought funk music to Australia. Amazing. He was 16 years old. The band was called Africa with a K. It was a family band. And so funk was very much played in our home growing up. So we're looking at everyone from Prince, Stevie Wonder, George Michael, Michael Jackson, Earth, Wind and Fire, Toto, um, But then my dad was also in a Steely Dan covers band, so a lot of Steely Dan. Um, I'm really showing my age here, no joking. Uh, So my repertoire was extensive, but then my mum played songs like, you know, uh, Sting and the Eagles and Katie Noonan and like kind of more of a femme approach. So my repertoire is quite extensive because of that. And then you've got like favourites like the Beatles and yeah, I said the Eagles already, but all of that old school stuff, it just like, it takes me back to my childhood. But then again, my dad would be dropping me off at high high school and his phone would ring and it would be fucking Biggie Smalls or Snoop Dogg, like, which would be his ringtone. Like, so I've had a very interesting upbringing when it comes to the music that my parents have, you know, opened my eyes to in growing up. Mm, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Jella? Well, I also, like, um, my mum was a singer she was in a band when I was going growing up called Ruby Blues um and they did like blues covers so mum used to sing (sighs) yeah um I'm just trying to think like Billie Holiday and the Mamas and the Papas and like all that sort of stuff 
Um, and I used to like sleep under the table in like the bars and the clubs. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the pubs. Um, but my dad played so much music at home, and my dad loves music. Like still to this day, he's so funny. He walks around the farm with like his iPhone in his pocket playing music like it's the soundtrack to his life he doesn't put headphones in he just like plays it really loud it's so funny um and he listens to like triple j and like all the latest stuff now oh my god but growing up dad played a lot of like the eagles we loved the eagles and i Mm -hmm. still to this day like i love them so much if i put the eagles on i'm a happy gal Van Morrison, absolutely. Yes. When I was in India and I was getting really homesick, I used to just put Van Morrison on in my ears and just sit mm. like in the middle of like an Indian cafe, like freaking out and just listening to Van. Um, I love that. Mum used to play like all the same sort of stuff. She she used to play the Gypsy Kings at home. Oh, like, I love the Gypsy Kings. And when I hear bang, them bang, now, bang, yeah. Bang, bang. I get this real sense of nostalgia. Like, I just love it. Um, and, like, Dad loved Eric Clapton and Phil Collins and Rod Stewart and, yeah, all of them. And, I, like, still to this day, I I love the music from the 60s and the 70s and I love it yeah. so much that, like, I feel it on a visceral level and I know that they say, like, when you have past lives, it's not often that you come back, like, in the same few decades that you've just left. But there is no way I wasn't alive in the 70s, even though I was born in the 80s. Like, there totally. is no way. And even the fashion as well just seems so real to me. Yeah. Um, but when I hear, like, Fleetwood Mac, um, yes. Rolling Stones, The Beatles, I just... It's like I can feel it in my cells. Yeah. I love that about music when it ignites an emotional response in you to the point of goosebumps or tears or – and do you find music – like I had this experience a few years ago when I – and it landed for me where I'm like, oh, music can be a messenger. Like music can be a sign as to – like, you know, when the universe is like get a message clear and Piano Man was following (gasps) me – for a week, every time I stepped into a random shop or put on the radio or anything, Piano Man would just drop in. And I'm like, what is this? And I looked up the lyrics. And at that point in time, it was when I felt like I wasn't doing enough in my business. But it was, no, Holly, you were the p- Piano Man, like, coaching right now. And it, it really landed for me at that point. Oh, Isn't that, that amazing? Yeah. So, yeah, music can be like a messenger as well and a sign. I'd be so interested to hear other people's experiences with that, actually. Absolutely. I mean, I've got, you know this, my, my yes. sign song is Harvest Moon by Neil Young. And um, I don't know how it became like that. Actually, I do remember. It was just one day I was like, send me a sign, universe. And Neil Young was playing at home and I was like, this is my sign, like send me Harvest Moon. And I was on my way to a date actually and I hopped in the cab and it was playing in the cab and then Shut I got up. to the date and it was playing in the bar and I was like, what the fuck is going I on? I love it so much. Music is huge. Yeah. And, um, oh, actually I might tell you that off air. Oh, oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I was like, oh, and. to do with sex. Uh, no, no, but it's not relevant to the listeners. Uh, remind okay. me to tell you. Um, I, what was I going to say to you? So, okay. So what about like, we love all that old school stuff. Like we feel it in ourselves, but what's some current music that if you're not feeling like, I don't mean just like mood lifting music, but just music that makes you feel like yourself again, or when you need to sort of come back to self, like what do you put on that's really comforting? Um, I love so many acoustic crooners and of the male variety. At the moment, I'm really loving Dermot Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've listened to any of his stuff. Yeah, um, he's the Irish He's guy. really blown up. Yeah, he's really blown up recently. Um, so I, I'm loving his stuff. Like Power Over Me just really kind of is comforting. I've spoken about my favourite Jameses in a previous episode, <laughs> yes. but James Bay is like I just adore him. I just feel very grounded when I listen to him. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like they're my two at the moment, but I'm really loving Billie Eilish as well, which surprises I me. I haven't gotten into Billie Eilish yet, but I will do that. I'm very apprehensive with new, new music for some reason. Like, It's because you're a 70s soul. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> no, I don't mean like, I don't mean like current music. I just mean like when new artists come along, because I don't really listen to the radio. So it takes yeah. me a while to get used to a new artist, I think. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I don't listen to the radio either. I listen a lot. I use my Spotify account so much. And my favorite thing on Spotify is, and we've spoken about this, George, like we don't know if people are maximizing the function in Spotify where they do your daily playlists. Oh, they're the best. They create them for you based on what you listen to a lot of. And that's where I find all my favorites through the daily playlist. Same. I love it. Um, Can I tell you some of the people I'm listening to at the moment that just if I'm feeling like I just need to be comforted, I put these people on. Patrick Watson. Don't know him. Patrick Watson. Look it up. I think you really like him. Um, uh, Gregory Allen Isakov, who I – Yes. I talk to you all about all the time. I don't know if yes. I've spoken to the listeners. He's great. He's got what well, all his songs are amazing, but The Universe is one of my favorite songs of his. Um and Big Black Car. Um who else have I been with? Oh, RYX. Have you ever listened to RYX? I maybe. I don't know. I Rings think a you, bell. You'd know the music. I played at Lunar Nights a lot. I played in yoga a lot too, but mm. he's just so beautiful. Um, and then my always my go-to, and we talk about him all the time on here, is John Mayer. Like when I'm feeling oh. sad or I just need a bit of a lift, I put continuum on and I'm just like oh. I just feel back to normal again. I feel it. I feel it. I was going to ask you what's your favourite John Mayer song, but I'm assuming it's continuum. Well, that's the album. Um, my favourite song oh, well, is actually awkward. Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. In a Burning Room. Mm, have you heard his duet with Taylor Swift? His new one with Taylor Swift? No, no, old one, Half of My Heart. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. I love so that beautiful. one and I love Daughters too. Yeah, oh, it's so nice. I like all I of sang <laughs> Waiting on the World to Change. Did you? In Year 12 music. No, I didn't do Year 12 music, but I don't know why I did it. I probably just hijacked someone else's performance, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> that's so did funny. Did you play any musical instruments growing up? I, tr- I tr- really tried. Um, no. I, I played the recorder of, I tried the violin, couldn't do it. I'm not very good at, um, I'm not very good with instruments and I'm not mm. very good at languages. And they say that you use the same part of your brain for music and languages. I, I can sing like, well, not right now, but you can I sing. can sing. Uh, but no, I, I tried to play the piano too. I don't know. No, what about mm-hmm. you? Can you play an instrument? Well, it's funny actually what you said about languages and, and instruments because I had that chat with Trent the other night. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's the same side of your brain, so thank you for confirming that. Uh, very similar. My parents are really trying to like filter the musical gene in me, like yeah. bring it out. So I have tried the piano and the keyboard, the flute, the drums, the – what else did I – learn I think that they were the main I did singing lessons and the unklong which is the traditional Indonesian instrument that goes like this it's like bamboo when you shake it um Holly just that sound you made was incredible oh thank you yeah that was so good (laughs) but my parents quickly gave up when I just would never practice and it was always a chore for me but now music is enjoyable because I don't have to do it but then my brother came along and we were both in the same school musical which is Greece and my brother stole the show and he's never had a fucking singing lesson in his life he's never had a drum lesson in his life he's a percussionist drummer guitarist he can play any instrument by ear and just picks it up and does it and he's also the best singer I've ever heard in my life and I promise I'm not being biased well I mean he's up there when's he gonna record our (laughs) intro Tyler, I hope you're listening, bro. <laughs> get in the studio. No, we'll have to get him to do it. It would be so good if we had our own intro. Can he write music? Yeah, he writes music. Okay. Yeah. That would be a really good mm. 30th birthday present for Holly Tyler, just saying. <laughs> just so you know. Do you know what he did actually at our wedding? He organised all of the music for the whole thing and then when it came time for me to do my father-daughter dance, uh, we were dancing to You Are So Beautiful To Me uh, and that's just got like family history why it's a, a song that we both want to dance to and my brother had pre-recorded him singing it and I didn't know and so when the music came on and me and dad started to dance, it was my brother's voice filling the room oh. and it was just so special. It was really nice. That's so nice. Yeah. Okay, I've got a hypothetical question for you. Oh, God. If you had to pick one artist to uh, and their songs to be the soundtrack of your the movie of your life, so you know how, like, there's all these movies lately and they, they just play the one artist the whole way through the movie? Yeah. What would the soundtrack yeah. to your life be? 
okay, you've really thrown me here. But, fuck. Okay, I'm going to say either, (laughs) very versatile, India RE or Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely think Taylor Swift because I can think of a few songs that would just really suit the movie of your life. I know what songs you're referring to, Jalal Levine, and we don't have to go there. How about you? <laughs> um, I would choose, and this is also what would be the soundtrack to my wedding. Like, I would have my wedding just one artist, and it would be Van Morrison. It would. Oh, I, just, I love it. Like, I just love him so much, and there's so much history there, I think, just with my dad playing him all the time. And I just, like, I just, oh, my God, I every song like I just love them does Van Morrison sing brown eyed girl yeah 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 love love yeah. love love I I'm down for that I can't wait for your wedding oh, the music's gonna be, gonna be off the charts. so great <laughs> so much fun I would love to hear by the listeners in the Facebook group what music would be the soundtrack to their life I love that question I think yeah, it's great it's one, hey um, is this where we segue into musicals or is that for another episode? It's for another episode because I want to sing the entire show. It's just a surface question. What's your favourite musical of all time? Um, I have to be honest with you. I haven't been to many stage shows, but if I had to do musical movies, can we do that? Yeah, of I course would, you can. I would probably say Moulin Rouge. Oh, I wouldn't have even thought of that one. Yes, mm. Moulin Rouge. I had a Moulin Rouge themed sixteenth birthday. I remember. I can't believe my parents let me that. do that. Yeah. <laughs> All of us girls were walking around in corsets and fishnet stockings, <laughs> playing spin the bottle in our backyard. But I didn't play spin the bottle because I didn't want to kiss anyone in front of my dad. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> what, what great about choice, you? Jill. What's yours? I love hairspray so yeah, much. I love good. the old version. New version, stage version, love hairspray. Yeah. Do Disney cool. movies count as musicals? No. No. Okay. I think they have to have real people in them. I mentioned it in the Facebook group. You have to watch it. Woody Allen's Everyone Says I Love You. Um, mm-hmm. it's, do you like Woody Allen movies? I haven't really watched. I don't even know what his movies are. I know who oh, okay. Woody Allen you either is. But... love or hate them. I love okay. them. Mainly because most of them are set in New York. But this one, this one's set in New York and it's about – families basically and it's all these different stories um but it's all a musical I mean there's talking as well like they don't sing the whole way that kind of drives me insane when that happens but um, totally yeah I think you'll like it so much fun so much fun do you have a favorite song of all time or like top three yeah, like I do have a few. Uh, it used to be sitting on the dock of the bay, Otis Redding. Oh, yes. And then an ex-boyfriend of mine whose name is in the title of that song, um, he oh. tried to claim it as our song and then that kind of ruined the song for me when we broke up. No. But I still really enjoy the song, but it just doesn't feel as good. I would say Harvest Moon, Neil Young. And yeah. Oh. That's probably it. What about you? I can't. I can't do it. It's like choosing. I just can't. I no. I <laughs> nah. I can't no. choose. I yeah. No. I'm not even gonna go there. Oh, okay. I've got another music question for you. This is fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is so fun. <laughs> what's the most like embarrassing stuff you like to listen to, either artist or particular song? Look, I'm not ashamed, but I do feel like if people listen to like Triple J, they would roll their eyes and judge. I mean, just scroll through my High Vibes playlist and all of it is very fucking cheesy. Uh, anything by S Club 7 or 5 or NSYNC. Oh, my God, like, that's my question for you. Okay, so like growing up, did you have any obsessions like? Oh, yeah. yeah. What were they? I was a member of the Five fan club. Oh my God, I, I loved Five so much. <laughs> yeah, I used to get like a letter from them every month. It wasn't from them. Clearly it was like their team, like typed up and then like you'd get a little sticker and I and, and actually Five came to Sydney like maybe five years ago but there were four of them. I think one of them just kind of went AWOL and I convinced my friend Jess to come with me to the Enmore and we stood in the front of this mosh and it was it was actually terrifying. It was terrifying. The people in that audience, I don't know who listened to Five back in the day, but we were getting pushed and almost got like into like <laughs> fisty cuffs with people in the, the mosh pit of a Five concert five years it ago. It must have been an older crowd, right? Like they must have been yeah. in their 30s. 
Yeah, it yeah. was really scary. A lot of people didn't have their teeth. Like it was, it was, <laughs> it was very interesting demographically oh, speaking. So but I was obsessed, and Hanson were the others. Oh, obsessed. I was obsessed with Hanson. Like, yes. did you ever listen to the Christmas album? I remember one yes. Christmas, I had this old Walkman. It was red and yellow, and I had a tape of Hanson. I must have recorded the CD onto a tape so I could listen to it on the Walkman. And I just listened to the Christmas album over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it so much. What were your other obsessions? Five, Hanson. Who else? Um, I really loved, like, the Backstreet Boys. Um, oh, yes. I wasn't obsessed, like, with posters and stuff, but I loved the Backstreet Boys. I loved NSYNC. Like, I loved boy bands in general. I liked Westlife. I loved S Club 7. And then when they yeah. brought the TV show out, I was like, this is life. So I also smart. had the single to, I can't remember what they were called. You'll remember. Um, oh, Bewitched, Sailor V. Oh, oh. Yeah, I played that <laughs> single over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and, then of, and then, of course, we spoke about it a few episodes ago, but the Spice Girls, like. Oh, given. Oh, my God. I was in a cafe yesterday, actually, and um, they were playing Emma Bunton. It was one of her songs when she split from the band and it was just surprising me. All of the lyrics were just rolling off my tongue and I was like, how do I know this? I knew every single word. It was mental. But that's not for everyone, George. Some people listen to music for just the melodies and I didn't realise that until I started dating Trent and he doesn't know words to any fucking songs, which is probably why he likes House of Trance, really. But for me, music tells a story and you've got to know the lyrics. Oh, my God. I Well, this is the other thing I used to do when I was younger is I would stop and start the tape player and write the lyrics down before we had the internet. You know, oh. and like, so I knew all the lyrics and then I'd sit there and I'd sing along with the lyrics I'd written down. Yes. Well, the CDs would have the booklets of the lyrics. So I would sing along to the booklet. I love that we both did the same thing. <laughs> no, the we same would have person. been best friends. I know. <laughs> um, okay. We're going to end the segment on this question. Oh. What was the first album or CD or tape? That you ever bought? I knew you were going to ask that, and I actually don't know because I was thinking about it before. I want to say Alanis Morissette, "Jagged Little Pill," but I don't know if oh, that's true. But that's what that's I think such it a might cool be. Answer. What's My yours? answer is so lame. Burning down the house, Tom Jones. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. Oh no, Holly, I remember what it was. Do you remember the band Girlfriend? No. You might be too young for girlfriend. They were Australian. They were a girl group before the Spice Girls and they wore like hats that like folded up at the front with like big flowers on them. What were their songs? Oh, no. Girlfriend. No. Anyway, they were they were the best. That, that was my first CD. And they had a song about the moon. I'm going to find it. Girlfriend. Okay. Girlfriend. Oh, this is such a fun chat. It Surprisingly so. so. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's, let's move on. What are your records this week? I actually haven't even told you my recos, I think. Or maybe I've told you one in advance. I don't think advance, you have. Surprise me. Well, I mean, sticking to the theme of music, I thought why not recommend the show that my brother's in because it's coming to Sydney and it's also doing a UK tour. That's right. So right? So my brother is a singer and he's a lead singer in a show called Burn the Floor. Now, this is the leading dance show globally and it's actually been around since I was about 12 because my dad was in the first ever production of it so it's like a family affair and the show is so fucking cool this is why I went to the Edinburgh Fringe last year because they were the headlining act of the Fringe Festival and the show is basically set to modern but also not modern music there's Bruno Mars but then there's also like Stairway to Heaven and just all sorts of fucking amazing music and it's ballroom dancing, so there's Latin and there's, like, contemporary and basically it just tells a story through song and through dance. They handpick the best dancers globally. Um, so you've got a really versatile cast ended up on Dancing with the Stars because they're all part of the production. And they're actually doing an opera house gala on Sunday the 28th of July. <gasps> so they've never performed in the opera house before. That's like yeah, next weekend, yeah. Thursday, yeah, I'm going. I'm there. I can't oh, fucking wait. I wish um, I knew. So they're doing two shows. 
I should have told you, sorry. But they've still got tickets available. There's a 3 p.m. show and there is a 6.30 p.m. show. I will be at the 6.30 p.m. one. But also, if you're not in Sydney, don't worry. They're doing an Australian – don't worry, guys. They're doing an Australian <laughs> tour next year. They're also – they constantly do UK tours because everyone in UK loves a show called Strictly Come Dancing and a lot of the dancers are on that show as well. Um, and I love that – I love that dance is getting attention again, George, because I feel like you remember when So You Think You Can Dance was out? Yes. I loved that show. And then we, just, dance just kind of got forgotten as an art medium. And I just I just froth on dance and I wish Me I was too. a dancer. Um, so that's my first record. You can connect with Burn the Floor Official. That's their Instagram um, title and you can follow their travels. They're in Korea at the moment and then they're going to South Africa. I'm just a proud big sister but also it's a fucking great show. No, like, I trust truly you. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's first record. Love it. Second record is I haven't ever recommended a person that I really admire um, or someone worth following. Oh, my God, and- you shouldn't have. I just I'm speaking about my co-host Jordana Levine and I just feel like she's really beautiful she has this like bright blonde hair at the moment and she's colored her hair guys she looks favored (laughs) I feel like if you are familiar with my work or if you're a client of mine or a friend of mine you know I bang on about this person all the time I just think she's a breath of fucking fresh fucking fresh air Her name is none other than Peter Kelly. Yes. So those of you who know who she is is probably nodding along with me right now. And those of you who don't know who she is, your life is about to change. Not to be mistaken with Paul Kelly. Definitely not. I'm not sure if any relation. Actually, I just realized that my my grandmother, her last name is Kelly. Oh, my God, we might be related. Peter, if you're listening. (laughs) I know we're born a day apart. We may be twins. No. Are you born Um, a day apart? Oh, you're both Leos. No wonder you think each other's wonderful. Yeah, but do you know how I know this? Because she asked me to do her moon and rising and I did them for her. Anyway, guys, we're really hitting it off, me and Peter. But it's like a, it's not fangirl anymore, but it was fangirl. Um, She's just fucking great. She's written a book called Earth is Hiring, but I loved her work before the book came out. She's just very, she's a straight talker. She's no nonsense. She's done the work in personal development and the soul work, and she's just not about dogma or bullshit. She's kind of like, I'd like to think she's kind of similar vibe to George and I in terms of just calling it as she sees it. She's not in it for anything other than just being a vehicle of fucking truth and light. Um, and she's and very funny. She's really quite hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. She's hilarious. I love her Insta bio. I screenshotted it because I just thought it was hilarious because it sums her up in a T. Her Insta bio is closet comedian, compulsive creative, newly unhurried, mum and wife to legends, nobody's coach. I'm like, you are goals. So if you want to connect with Peter, it's P-E-T-A-J-E-A-N underscore. But we'll stick her in the Facey group as well. Highly recommend you give her a follow, guys. Yeah. Beautiful. Yay. Um, What are yours, Joe? Okay. Okay. So (laughs) my first record is um, a Netflix show. Um, And I just want to preface it by saying I'm enjoying it, but it's a bit corny. But I encourage people to stick with it because it's actually quite good. Um, So it's it's like a doco show, I guess. Um, called Extreme Engagement, which I know sounds a bit crazy. But basically it's Australian. Um, It's by this like documentarian, I guess you'd call him, filmmaker called Tim Noonan and his fiancée PJ, what's her last name? PJ... Gallagher? No. PJ (laughs) Madam. PJ Madam and Tim Noonan. And basically what the premise of the show is is... um, They are getting engaged. Well, they are engaged, but before they get married, um, they go to like all these different cultures around the world and see what their mating, courting, marriage rituals are and experience them as if they're natives. So they trek through like um, Mongolia. um, uh, Where else do they go? Like uh, to Bali. They go to Papua New Guinea, 
They go, yeah, to all these tribes around the world. And it's actually really fascinating. It's a little bit naff in that they do these piece to cameras, you know, like where they talk directly to the camera. And it sounds a little bit scripted. Like I'm like, Uh it's you got to be a bit more natural. But you kind of get used (laughs) to it after a while. And just seeing, for me, it's like seeing how all the different cultures view relationships and marriage and sex and fertility and it's – it's wow. really fun. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So season one's out now um, and they're both very beautiful to look at. They're a very attractive couple. Um, Love it. And, yeah, I think it kind of makes you question, like, what you would put up with and also how your partner would test you because they go through some pretty grueling stuff. Like when they're in Mongolia, they're, they're like, migrating with the, with the nomadic herds and it's like, <sighs> you know, like um, – minus degree temperatures and they're freezing and they're on the horses for nine hours a day and he's like yelling at her to ride better and she's like leave me fucking alone and you know when you just like you can see relationships being tested and you think wow I wonder if I would get through that with my partner you know totally that's I'm I'm you've sold me on that one George I just feel like your recos lately have been a lot better than mine I'm I've just had to get that off my chest and you haven't even said your second one yet. You've also been like trekking through the globe, having an amazing time, <laughs> and I've been at home very lonely watching Netflix. So I wouldn't okay. read into it too much. <laughs> What's your second reco? <laughs> um, my second reco is actually off the back of a reco you did um, a few weeks ago, which was Insight Timer. But. Yes. Um, I've been using it in a little bit of a different way lately, like not for guided meditations, but I've, I've had a bit of trouble sleeping the last week. I've either had a bit of anxiety or I've just got too much racing through my head and I just can't sleep. And um, I've been putting on the bedtime stories. Have you ever listened to the bedtime stories? On Insight no. Timer. So no. if people downloaded Insight Timer from Holly's recommendation or they haven't, do it now. If you go to, there's like a sleep option. If you go to the sleep option, they've got like, um, you know, bedtime music and bedtime meditations. They've got bedtime stories and they've got all these different oh. narrators that like read you a story um, oh to fall God. asleep to. And I've actually found it really, really soothing. And oh my I, I'm god! I'm gonna have to check like it out. Five ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. Bedtime stories function. I had no idea that even existed. Yeah, and they've got like the Velveteen Rabbit and um, oh, yeah, like really beautiful <laughs> stuff. I, I've just been loving it. Like sometimes I'll put the guided meditations on, but sometimes meditations irritate me for some reason when I'm trying to go to sleep. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. the music is too stimulating. So. Yeah, I just find the stories and they've got like, you know, English guy. I like English men. They're like my favourite to read me bedtime stories. But I just oh thought. Oh, my God, I love. Yeah, if anyone's having trouble sleeping, it's really, it's a really nice way to fall asleep. That I feel like is reco of the episode. That's, <laughs> that is repo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I love it. I'm really excited because you're about to teach us something new and it's something I've I, really been hanging out for and I'm so excited about it. What are you teaching I us? know. I'm actually going a little bit off the gradient here, friends. I am teaching you all about whiskey. Yes. So before you tune out and go, I'm not a drinker, I don't like whiskey, I ask you to just listen because I was the same and I have now experienced 10 distilleries all through Scotland and Ireland, and I have come to really appreciate it. I'm talking like a whiskey connoisseur, but truly as an art form, and it is. And I'm going to teach you guys the whiskey distillation process. So even if you don't drink whiskey or don't drink full stop, guaranteed there is somebody in your life who does. So you can come to respect and appreciate why it is they do. Because most whiskey drinkers you'll find are like they're older men, they're probably your grandfather or your your dad or maybe a brother of yours. People aren't drinking whiskey most of the time to get pissed. (laughs) They're drinking whiskey to really appreciate Mm. the flavors and the experience of whiskey. And that's what I've come to learn through learning how whiskey works. So I'm going to dive in if that's cool. Absolutely cool. And I just want to preface this by saying I actually love whiskey. Like I love it. 
I love all types of whiskey and I'll happily sit on a whiskey after dinner. So I, I for one, am very yes. keen to hear what you're about to say. I'm so excited you are. Thank you, Jordana. Oh, why did I call you Jordana I then? Know, I feel I like that's it. your whiskey <laughs> name. Okay. <laughs> so there are three ingredients in whiskey and three only, and they are barley, yeast, and water. And it's it's the flavors of whiskey aren't actually down to the ingredients specifically. There's an elongated process it takes to get whiskey flavored the way that it does. And I think that it's important to note that you can't possibly say I don't like whiskey if you've only tried one or two whiskeys yeah. before because the flavor variety, George, is so huge. It depends on how long it's sat, like sat in a barrel for, where it's been sitting. Like there are so many factors as to the taste of whiskey. Can I ask What's the question? question? My question is yeah. um, if you're gluten intolerant, can you drink whiskey? I, that is such a fucking good question. Is there gluten in barley? Yeah, it's a grain. That is so, can you Google that right now while I start talking? Yeah. Because I get upset in my tummy when I have too much gluten and there was a day there where I had nine whiskeys and I was fine. Um, I maybe through the malting process, just being hypothetical but what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain the process here do you want me to answer the question quickly um please according to the National Institute of Health celiac disease awareness campaign distilled alcohol is inherently gluten-free this includes gin vodka scotch whiskey and rye whiskey although whiskeys are derived from wheat barley or rye the distilling process removes the gluten proteins this makes sense because the distilling process is mainly focused on getting the sugar out of the barley. Mm. So it's this, the sugar that we're focused on and nothing else. That okay. makes sense. So, I, I mean, great segue. What they do first is they harvest the barley and they grind it to grist, but they need to actually soften the barley first because if you've ever picked barley before, it's really fucking hard. If you went to bite it, it will break your teeth. Oh, oh. So how they do this, it's that hard. Yeah, it's like a rock. It's like a little really? stone. You wouldn't think this, right? No. Yeah, Totally. So you don't do that. So they lay it out on these big, big, big floors and they actually water it for two days. They soak this barley in water because what they're doing is they want to ignite germination in the seed. So germination is when a little flower starts Mm. to sprout. Now, the second that they start to see the little sprout, they dry it out because they don't want the barley to flower. They actually just need it to get to that point where it starts to germinate because that's when the sugar is ready to be expelled. So... Then they dry the the barley out. Now, they do this through two ways. They either dry it out with fire, so coal, or they use something known as peat. So have you ever heard of a peated whiskey, George? No. So if you're looking at whiskeys and one is peated and one isn't peated, what that means is the whiskey that's peated has been dried out using peat, which is just clumps of dirt and land matter, and it gives the whiskey a really smoky flavour. So if you like... Yeah. I thought the coals would give it a smoky flavour. No, the coals actually eliminate any kind of flavour. So it's the peat that smokes it. So there are certain whiskies that are peated and certain that aren't. And all that you need to know is that that's how they dried it out. Peated is smoky and non-peated is not smoky. So once they get the barley all malted, they grind it to something known as grist, which is like a flour. So you can rub it in your hands and it's just like a flour, but it's sugar. That's what whiskey is made from, pure sugar from the barley. So they take this sugar and they move it to something known as a mash tun, which is this huge, like fucking huge barrel. And they put this flour in with water, heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps of water. And that's what creates this sugary liquid that ends up being distilled, right? Yeah. They have it in this mash tun and you see these vats and they're, they're like, thousands of liters i mean don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure they're thousands (laughs) and thousands of liters (laughs) and they get this sugary liquid and then they transfer that through pipes over to something known as the wash back now it's here that the yeast is added and this liquid ferments with the yeast so you see it spattering and like moving and the the liquid becomes alive right And that's what starts to develop this sugary liquid into alcohol. So this whole process is taking like minimum a week already. And then from there, they move it from the washback into the stills. Now, that's where the word distillation comes from. The alcohol sits in, 
first the wash still and then the, oh, fuck, what's it called? The spirit still. So it goes through the wash still and then the spirit still and it's just hot, hot, hot. It's heated, right? And these, yeah, and this liquid is heated to get the little vapors rising through the still because the vapors are alcohol and anything left behind isn't. So it's only the crystal clearest and the most pure quality alcohol that's making its way through these stills into the end result of your whiskey. So that entire process takes more time. And then basically they're moved into barrels. Now the barrels are what gives whiskey its flavor. So it's really important for you all to know when you start to experience different tastes of whiskey, what barrels were they in? I've come to learn that, and the the two main are sherry barrels or sherry casks or bourbon casks, Mm. right? And they can be European oak or American oak. Now, through tasting and doing a whiskey tasting, I've come to learn that I love a whiskey in a sherry cask. Sherry whiskies are very like kind of berries and caramelly and like a little bit of smoke. They're really rich in flavor. Whereas a bourbon cask is more honey and fruit, like like apples and pears and those sorts of things. So, And you can tell the difference. It's so blatantly obvious when you're tasting them how different the taste variety is. Yes, ask a question, ask away. What is a what is a single malt whiskey? A single malt whiskey is pure from one distillery. So, if you're drinking a single malt whiskey from Glenfiddich, you know that that whiskey is only from Glenfiddich. However, any kind of whiskey, what's the opposite of single malt? It's um Basically, it's their equivalent of mixing. So they'll get whiskey from Glenfiddich, from fucking Glen wherever else, all of the different whiskey distilleries, and you can have up to like 50 different whiskeys in one whiskey, and that's like a mixed version. So Jack Daniels, for instance, is not single malt. It's from heaps of different distilleries under one brand, but it's heaps of different whiskeys in one whiskey to create that palette. What's Scotch whiskey? Scotch whiskey is from Scotland. So Scots, the Scots are very um, serious about their whiskey. So they like to think that they founded whiskey. I'm pretty sure they actually did. Um, and Scotch whiskey has to be aged in barrels for no less than three years and one day. Any less, it cannot legally be called whiskey. Okay. The other thing with Scotch whiskey is they own the name whiskey without the E. So oh, it's just whiskey with a Y. Yeah. So. You legally cannot call your product whiskey unless it was made in Scotland and aged three years in one day. Now, the thing with the barrels and aging them, in Australia, your whiskey has to be aged for two years for you to call it whiskey. You can't call it scotch. You have to just call it whiskey. Um, But most people, well, most whiskey distillers won't really launch a whiskey unless it's at least been in a barrel for five years. In Scotland, you'll find Scotch whiskey. They start at about the 12-year mark and then they make their way up. But, George, whiskey is huge business as well. This is something that blew my mind. We went to a distillery. Um, oh, I forget their name, but they're in in the Scottish Highlands and they're like the James Bond whiskey. Macallan, Macallan. And they have whiskeys worth like millions of dollars because of how old they are like this is this is the other side of whiskey it's very much about like collector's editions and keeping like keeping them while rather than drinking them it's like a whole other world which blew my mind that as well blows my mind i get funny about old bottles of wine i'm like what is the point um the other thing is the longer that the whiskey is kept in barrels, the more that they're like more whiskey is lost to something that they call the angel share, which is basically evaporation because yeah. they're being held in these casks. The longer that they're in, the less you're actually going to kind of harvest at the end of the time, which is why older whiskey costs more because they've lost more in the process. Okay. I've got another question for you and you might not know the answer, but why is it that like – why why does like Japanese whiskey, for example, taste mm. so different to Scotch whiskey or American whiskey from Tennessee or whatever? What like because Japanese yeah. is co- so kind of smooth and sweet and mm. it's so distinctive. Like you can tell it's a Japanese whiskey. What what's different about it? 
the main thing that impacts flavour are the barrels that they use. So they could be experimenting with different barrels that may have been, I don't know, like different wine barrels in the past or gin. Or I don't even okay. know if gin's put in barrels. But that that the main differentiator and also where they're stored. So temperature is big as well. So Scotland is obviously a very, very cold climate. Mm. So that impacts the process of when they're stored in barrels. Are the barrels bowing or are they expanding? How's the whiskey moving through those barrels over the years? Similarly with Australian whiskey, you have you lose a lot more to angel share because of humidity and that also impacts the taste. So taste really comes down to the barrels that you're using. But you can also play with things like um, when you're drying out the barley, there's a crazy whiskey distiller in Tasmania who used sheep's dung to dry out the whiskey and it impacted the flavour of the whiskey and it was like limited edition went off the shelves. So you can get really experimental as well yeah. and start to incorporate botanicals and those sorts of things, mm. kind of like what they do with gin. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's more the barrels, if anything, that so impacts what, the flavour. So how do you like to have your whiskey? Neat. So neat is just like a little nip. So you get a little whiskey glass and there is a certain way that you drink it. I'm such a whiskey snob now. Who even am I? No, it's great. So you do a little swirl. It's like wine. You swirl it, you sniff it. And then the first thing you do is you take a sip and you let the whiskey sit in your mouth and you actually coat your mouth with it. To, that gets your mouth ready for the second sip because the first sip will taste quite alcoholic because whiskey is around 46% alcohol. Mm. And then you take the second sip and you just like, you just enjoy it and it's warming and it's beautiful in cold weather, which yeah. is obviously why it goes off in places like Scotland or, you know, like in Japan. Um, but right now in Australia, it's perfect whiskey drinking time. And the other thing you can do with whiskey and Jamison whiskey, another distillery we went to, um, that's from Ireland, that's Irish whiskey you can use in cocktails so and actually Rowan Co is another distillery visit in Ireland and we got to make uh cocktails with whiskey and because they use a really light whiskey in it they're really really fruity and delicious so you can use whiskey as a mixer but I prefer my neat how about you George I like mine on the rocks just because I like when a little bit of water melts into it um yes and I like it quite cold but I could have it neat as well yeah I really yeah. like it my mom used to drink scotch a lot and um, yeah. the smell, not a lot, sorry. I didn't mean like she was down <laughs> in Scotch all the time. I just mean we always had it at home and she'd have a little nip every now and then. Um, and my dad, yeah. lo my dad loves whiskey. So I do like to have a little sip on it every now and then. It's really nice. And also the Roadhouse across the road. They have lots oh. of different whiskeys over there. Actually, Roadhouse has the best whiskey list yeah. ever. And but, with water, yeah. it does change the taste. Mm. So that when we were doing the tastings, they give you a little water dropper and they say put one or two drops in it once you've had your first sip and it changes the taste makeup of the whiskey too, which is pretty cool. I just want to say that um, Trent's going to be so proud of you when he listens to this episode because I know he loves listening to me. Um, and also <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that you're going to make a great tour guide around the distillery when Trent opens his whiskey distillery because you just did so well then. And, guys, she didn't even look at her notes. It was so good. Thanks, guys. I know. I'm like I actually practiced with Trent before <laughs> and he was like, yes. <laughs> He's like, I'm really, really proud of you. And I was like, no, I actually am genuinely passionate about this. No, it was really and I good. wasn't a few weeks ago. So there you go, guys. Awesome. I hope you enjoy your whiskey. <laughs> so good. Um, I have an announcement to make yeah um please so i just a little word to the listeners um holly and i are really getting quite serious about this podcast called the middle and we're mm. you know looking at stepping up a little bit and taking it to the next level and as much as we loved uh giving you guys video content um, it just really wasn't working in our favor in terms of audio for us to give good video it compromised the audio and at the end of the day this is a podcast um, yeah. and also it kind of compromises our listens as well in terms of how um, we people are finding us. Yeah. So YouTube was a fun idea, but we're actually going to put it on hold for now. So um, soz to anyone that was loving our faces. Yes. But let this be a lesson as well. And I spoke, we spoke about this, George, like you got to give things a crack. And I feel like it's important that you just, and that's what we did. We're like, let's give it a crack. Okay. It's not working. Let's just put that to the side. And it's no failure in this. And let that be a lesson to anyone listening. Just give things go. And if they don't work out, they fucking don't work out. Move on yeah. to the next thing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. we also 
George, well, I mean, I say we, I mean I, probably you as well, want to talk about something that happened in Instagram land this week, Mm, yeah? Yeah, go for it. So in Australia, they launched, and I think Canada and a few other countries, not the States though. They did Canada a while ago, and it did so well in Canada, they brought it here. Is that what happened? So what we're referring to is the um, removal of likes, not the removal of likes from posts, but we can no longer see as Instagram users in Australia who has liked other people's Instagram posts or the number of likes on a post, I should say, because you can still click through and see, but who's really going to go to that effort? I don't know. Now, for me, I welcome this change with open fucking arms for so many reasons. I know I've mentioned a few times on the podcast that I sensed that Instagram is dying, but I actually feel like this move is shifting the way that people are going to be using it in so many ways, George. That's mainly for me, I see that the intention behind posting is going to be more authentic. People are going to be posting for themselves more. There's going to be less comparison. I just feel like I, I, the only bad thing, and I'm doing inverted commas, that I see in this is that there are going to be some inauthentic people that aren't going to make money from their Instagram accounts anymore. But that's not actually a bad thing. Like, that's fine. Don't you think? I don't know. What are your views? uh, I'm so happy about it. Um, I didn't realize that I looked at likes as often as I do. And I only realized that I do when they took it away. And I was like, oh, (laughs) Um, yeah, but yeah, like I, I don't, I don't concentrate on likes too much. You know, you and I are the same with this. Like we don't count our followers. We don't, we don't really care. Like we just do what we do. And if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. But I definitely have had moments where I'll post something and it doesn't get a big reaction like other posts. And I do feel this sense of, I mean, this is very overdramatic, but failure, you know, like I I feel like I haven't delivered or someone didn't like what I put up or whatever it is, or maybe that's the algorithm, who knows. But there is this kind of freedom that comes from not having to worry about that anymore. And in terms of metrics and people making money as influencers, it's still going to be there. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's any different. It's just because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to prove to a brand how many likes you're getting, you just take a screenshot because we can still see how many likes we get yeah. on a post. It's not going to change the game. What it does is it just gives freedom to people. It gives people freedom to express themselves better. My only concern, Holly, is that they're very adamant, face, the Facebook, Instagram people, in saying that this is a trial. And I, I know, really I know. feel like... Like my gut is telling me they're going to bring it back. Uh, and that will be disappointing. Yeah. Um, I did a poll in my stories on like who thinks this is a great move and I got close to 400 people saying yes and less than 20 people saying oh. it makes me nervous. Like the, the uh, what I'm seeing or at least the people who are engaging with my content is the results are a resounding fucking yes, this is brilliant. So I really hope they take it seriously. I, I don't know. How would you feel if they took likes away entirely when no one could see and even more so if they took away people seeing how many followers you have? Like is that where we're going with this? If they took away how many followers you have, that's an interesting one. Mm. I've been sitting with it and I don't know. As a follower, like not as a creator, as a follower, I like to see, I kind of like to see the engagement of other people on accounts that I follow. I wonder why that is. Mm. Because it makes them more legit, right? Yeah, I guess so, but not legit if they're buying followers. And that's what I do miss about not seeing likes is, you know, we used to talk about this all the time, Holly, there'll be someone with like 120,000 followers and like, you know, 40 likes on a photo. And I'm like, that has to be bought. They have to be bought followers. You can't yeah. see that now. So there is a lot more room for That's actually that a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I thought it would eradicate buying likes, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe. it's open. It, yeah. Well, if anything, it kind of Fuck, encourages I that. it, right? Because there's no way to compare it now. Yeah. Oh, these fucking metrics and algorithms and um, all of this. I shit. also think, like, I don't think it's naive of me. And tell me if you think it is or if you think I'm mm. a cynic. But I don't think that Facebook and Instagram are trying to implement something that helps our mental health. They are no. up to something. They're up to yeah. something. And I haven't worked out what it is yet. 
And I think it might be a new app or a new product that they're going to try and push that yep. works out how many likes are happening behind the scenes or something's about to happen because they're not I'll, trying to make us better people. I'll tell you what it is. Okay. They are trying to point people towards sponsored posts and sponsoring their posts as opposed to using influencer marketing uh, okay. because that, that's what I feel it is. It's we don't need, like for brands specifically, let's just sponsor posts so they appear more in the feed so that's money that goes directly to Facebook and Instagram as opposed to let's collaborate with this influencer who is now not as influential because we can't see how many likes they're getting. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Uh, it really evens the playing field. I mean, we've both had, I know you mentioned it on Instagram this week and we've both been cut by this in the past where opportunities um have been taken away from us or haven't even been offered to us based on our engagement on social media or how many followers we have or how many likes we get or whatever it is. And it's really exciting to think that they're going to have to start setting different metrics now. Yeah, and actually doing their research as to what engagement actually fucking means. It's not the number of likes you get on a post. It's like... And, and intention behind posting as well. Like, are you just posting for the sake of fucking posting? Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of these influencers or even, I guess, young women out there, like posting just to feel validated, I mean, it's just going it, to, yeah, it questions every little bit of intention behind why you're posting, which is very exciting. There's a lot yeah. of good and there's a lot of shady areas yeah. too. We'd love to hear your opinion in the Facebook group. Um, just on that note, another little bit of admin. I don't mean yes. to sound like yes. A, your mother, or B, your school teacher. But um, as I said, Holly and I are really trying to put more into this and we are in the process of stepping up and getting some help. But until we do that, we would really love if you guys like recos to write them down or just listen to the episode again. Like we, we do our best to pop them in the Facebook group when we can, but we don't always have time every week to do that. Um, so if, if you're listening and you remember them, like feel free to throw them in there. Or um, if you can't remember something, just listen to the episode again or Google it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's hard uh, for people to pr- maybe igno- like recognize how much free work this takes from our time and this is why we want to go next level so we can actually make this an easier and more effortless experience for everyone involved so we'd really appreciate that um stepping up in the facey group that would be fucking amazing amazing all right well um i'm so excited to see you soon because well not in the flesh but like in the country um yes you're coming home this week so have a last few good days and um, thank you get a little bit more sun on your skin just to make me jelly when you come home. <laughs> and um, I will see you soon. Holly. See you soon. Love you. Bye, catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 